Welcome to Faith and Science. I'm Dr. John Ashton. The other uh, day I uh, met up with um, a friend I'd known uh, quite some uh, years ago uh, who was a uh, medical doctor and um, he uh, confided in me how reading, after reading my book um, Evolution Impossible, it really confirmed um, the evidence for him that evolution was impossible, the complexity of uh, the biochemical systems that uh, in nature, in living things, um, and in particular, the uh, he'd seen a, a recent, uh, some recent research that was done on cells and the complexity of cells, the mechanisms, the micro machines in in cells, and um, the amazing, you know, um, construction of all these machines uh, and and sort of biochemical mechanisms that operate in cells, and not only have these uh, got to be uh, there. But when a cell is forming, there's got to be programs within the DNA that regulate the assembly of these things so that you put together, it's all right to make all the parts, but then you've got to assemble all the parts and then also you've got to start them up and get them working. And uh, he, uh, you know, he mentioned how he had been raised in a, you know, in a, in a Christian home. He, he, he believed in... Um, uh, creation and the biblical account, but going to uni, studying at uni, there were some issues there uh, that had um, come up that, you know, well, maybe, you know, there was long-term, uh, you know, long-age theistic type evolution. But um, after reading Evolution Impossible, it, it really clinched him. And I thought it's interesting that the same year that I put out Evolution Impossible, the, um, uh, the book by um, Richard Dawkins was published. So my, my book um, came out in um, July uh, 2012 and in um, September 2012, uh, Richard Dawkins, the uh, well-known evolutionist, published a book, The Magic of Reality, how we know what's really true. I thought this is quite a, a, a provocative uh, title, of course, and it's um, a book aimed, I guess, for, for younger readers, but really, in a way, um, it, it seems to be indoctrinating them towards atheism. It's got a lot of really interesting um, in, information in it, but... Um, it doesn't necessarily fulfil the the whole picture, and in many ways, I I think um, uh, Dawkins commits in 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 some areas, for example, a a type of um, uh, of what appears to be a logical fallacy, uh, sometimes called, I've heard people refer to it as a politician's logic, and an example could be, for example. You, you make the statement, all cats have four legs, right? All cats have four legs, um, except, of course, for an injured cat or a mutant cat, but all cats have four legs. And then you uh, say, my dog has four legs, therefore my dog is a cat. 
And, of course, we know that's not true. But the reason why we know that's not true is because we already know that there are many other animals that have four legs. But if you didn't know that, then you could jump to the conclusion, oh, okay, well, this animal that I have that I thought was a dog is actually a cat. And so this applies in a you know, a number of, um, of, of different uh, areas. And so it, it's, you know, it's, it's a type of fallacy, a type of way of thinking. Now, it's interesting that um, Dawkins uh, published this book on what we know is true. Um, I mean, I had a background of many years of um, uh, studying in the area of, um, you know, both uh, physics and mathematics and then, and then chemistry, doing research degrees in chemistry. Uh, but later on, I realised the importance of understanding how we can know. And um, that's why I, I went back to uni and read uh, also for a doctorate in the area of epistemology, uh, theories of knowledge. And of course, it was related to um, areas I was working with, uh, biomedical sciences and also environmental sciences. So looking at ways that we can know in this area. And uh, actually, I was awarded a university uh, prize for my research, and uh, much of it was uh, later uh, published um, in the book form, the, the Perils of Progress by University of New South Wales Press and um, later uh, Z Books, a number of university presses around the world, University of Cape Town Press and, and so forth. So I was very interested that Dawkins actually wrote in this area how we can know what's really true. The other, the other thing is that we're in, the, in the cover of the book, a, a sort of promotion of the book was written by Lawrence Krauss. Now, Lawrence Krauss is a cosmologist, sort of physicist. Um, he wrote uh, the book, A Universe from Nothing, uh, and um, he's a very, very strong proponent of uh, inflation theory. Uh, which underpins the Big Bang Theory. So inflation theory is um, where very early in the onset of the universe, you know, matter and so forth accelerated faster than the speed of light. The The problem with this uh, these sort of statements is that they, they, they can't be proved. And it was very interesting that in uh, Scientific American, I think it was in 2017... Um, there was a uh, an article published, Pop Goes the Universe, I've spoken about before, in which uh, some uh, Harvard and Princeton physicists point out that the sort of inflation theory doesn't even really qualify as a scientific theory. Uh, and so even though a whole lot of scientists like Stephen Hawken and, and many of the others and, and Lawrence Krauss, you know, support this, I wrote papers on it. it. It actually isn't a scientific theory because it can't be proved. We can never actually know. Uh, and, and this is an important point. And it's actually pointed out by another eminent physicist, George Ellis, who points out that uh, and you can, Ellis is quoted in a Wikipedia article on Lawrence Krauss uh, about Lawrence Krauss' life that in, in actual fact um, what uh, uh, Krauss is talking about, Ellis points out, is not tested science but philosophical speculation. 
And this applies to a whole lot of the anti-theist, the anti-God dogma that is being uh, put out um, in books such as uh, The Magic of Reality by Dawkins and, um, and uh, A Universe from Nothing. And we really have to be on our toes to understand this. And I, I know it, it's one of the reasons I'm talking about this is that this lack of understanding of what actually constitutes evidence is very important because many people sort of, they go to uni, they do these high studies and they've already been um, you know, inculcated with a lot of evolutionary long age ideas um, through, you know, through school, particularly through high school. Um, they see it reported in the media around and, and so forth. But they don't realise that so much of this is, is based on people making assertions on their basis of their particular worldview, a worldview that the world is very old, that it wasn't created recently by, by God. And, of course, some of this is um, you know, what we would call based on sort of anti-Christian fallacies. And I noticed that in a recent um, edition of um, the uh, Creation uh, uh, Journal, um, there was a, an article by Jonathan Safety, um, and which I thought was very good. He, he talks about genetic fallacy and politicians' logic, um, logical fallacies, and how to spot them and refute them. And he, he for example, lists an anti-Christian genetic fallacy, and he points out that anti-Christians often commit a a genetic fallacy. They could say something like, you only believe Christianity because your parents and culture indoctrinated you. If you had come from a Hindu family in India, you'd be a Hindu. Again, he points out, this is irrelevant to the question of whether Christianity is true. And so the fact that Christianity is true is based on evidence, evidence that we can uh, observe and see and know and have through the senses, which, um, uh, you know, Dawkins claims is one of the ways that we can know, and that's, that's true. It's one we can know, one of the ways we can know it's real. But what happens is that um, the evidence for Christianity is true is that Jesus physically rose from the dead. Uh, founders of other religions, you know, died and rotted away in their graves. And so... This um, is you know, based on the um, fact. Another related uh, fallacy is trying to disprove Christianity by pointing to alleged pagan parallels. For example, some anti-Christians compare Jesus' resurrection to the alleged Egyptian myths about Isis' resurrection. But again, we need to look at the evidence. And uh, Safati, uh, Dr. Safati points out even if some Christians believed in Jesus' resurrection because of Arias' claimed resurrection would not change the fact. The evidence, the empty tomb, the physical appearance of Jesus to 500 people at once would still stand. Um, but also, when we drill down into this other claimed evidence, for example, uh, when we do investigations into the pagan parallels, it turns out to be nothing of a kind. For example, Osiris never rose again, but was a dead god who stayed in the underworld as lord of the dead. So we can see that um, 
there's all these sort of claims that are made, and it's Santa can, it, it's these this, these false claims, these uh, logical fallacies have have influenced some, you know, quite influential people. Obviously, you know, people like Dawkins, like Krauss, that are writing these books that are getting you know huge reviews. Um, a book that similarly came out, um, uh, I think it was published 2006 by Ronald Numbers. Now, it's called The Creationists, and it was a book uh, subtitled From Scientific Creationism to Intelligent Design. Now, it's, it's interesting that on page 13, uh, Numbers, uh, Dr. Ronald Numbers, talks about how he was raised... Um, in a uh, Seventh-day Adventist family. Um, I think uh, there are a lot of ministers, Seventh-day Adventist pastors in his uh, family and he was uh, taught uh, creation and so forth. But when he went to uni um, and studied science in the 1960s at the University of California at Berkeley, um, he attended a lecture on the famous sequence of fossils in Yellowstone National Park. And um, this is a a sequence of uh, fossils where there are a number of uh, petrified um, trees um, at Specimen Creek in the uh, Yellowstone uh, National Park. Uh, There's another uh, one nearby too uh, where there's um, uh, another place where, uh, close by where there's all these uh, petrified trees, but the most spectacular ones are at Specimen Creek in the Yellowstone National Park. And he goes up to say he stayed up much night with a biologist friend of his, um, sort of thinking about that, and then he accepted the claim that, well, the Earth can't be just 6,000 years old. It's got to be at least 30,000 years old because that was the the time that um, was uh, that geologists, secular geologists, had calculated for the uh, formation of these uh, particular uh, fossils, uh, uh, petrified trees. And so, uh, again, he ended up um, becoming a... Um, Agnostic, and it's interesting that um, uh, Doctor Numbers, Doctor Ronald Numbers, who um, was on the basis of this one piece of evidence, without actually checking it out, and um, because he'd had this lecture that you know claimed that these trees were deposited over a long period of time, um, he he didn't actually check out the evidence and the basis for this, um, and. Um, what happens is we, we have these observations, but the interpretation of what these observations mean um, can depend on a person's worldview, but also their ability to actually have all the information available. So if they only have part of the information available, they can jump to a conclusion. For example, if you have this evidence that all cats have four legs and then you come to this animal that has four legs and you assume that it is a cat without realising, well, hang on, there might be other animals that have four legs and, um, and that haven't been discovered yet. And so 
This is the problem that we have when we jump to some of these in interpretations and we discard, as I said uh, earlier, we have this overwhelming evidence that the Bible is true. We have archaeological evidence that uh, has confirmed, you know, people, names like Belshazzar and Nebuchadnezzar, the different Assyrian kings and histories there, history events that are occurred right down um, we have this evidence. We have the evidence of a global catastrophic flood around the world. Um, it's you know it's very very clear there. There you know there's no other explanation for these massive uh, areas of flat uh, mountains. Um, there's the, the that haven't sort of eroded significantly. The only way these these deposits could be have been laid down and then sheared off like that are a, a massive catastrophic type water movements. Well, um, you know, not necessarily violent catastrophes, but huge amounts of water flowing off this sand and levelling it out. You know, I, I really enjoy uh, four-wheel driving now back Australia. And, you know, if you drive across, for example, the Simpson Desert, these areas up the Canning Stock Route, you see these areas, these huge areas where the, the long mountain range is just flat on top over huge areas. And these examples are all around the world. And from many different aspects, we have uh, evidence of the, of the flood. Um, and then, of course, we have the, the miracles, the, um, the uh, testimony of the, the people that saw the parting of the Red Sea that were there, the thousands of people, maybe me, uh, that saw the, um, they were fed by manna, in the wilderness, these were these were events that were witnessed by many many people and and written down and kept and preserved. The records were kept and preserved, and so we have this evidence for for scripture. We have this evidence that there is a supernatural world that is operating outside our our current space time system, and it's really disappointing that. You know, people like uh, Numbers that went on to write a, a number of books that, um, you know, perhaps um, uh, Andy Creation or attempting to uh, point out the weaknesses of the creationist view. And, of course, good to know these, but um, in a uh, needs to be in a, you know, in a balanced sense. And it's fascinating when we look, for example, uh, taking this uh, Yellowstone uh, fossil forest um, situation at Specimen Ridge because the, uh, there are multiple levels of apparent forests, one on top of the other, but they are, many of them have vertical tree trunks and multiple tree stumps at each level. And so the traditional secular geologist's claim is that these trees grew in place, died, were covered up with volcanic debris, and were petrified in the vertical positions. And then uh, from this story, and this occurred over su um, successive uh, time events, and the evolutionist ge evolutionary geologists have estimated the amount of time that it took to form the layers and um, have, have worked it out that the 65 levels of forest, so that's quite a lot of levels of forests that have been petrified at different times, would need at least 32,500 years to form these, um, 
these successive layers. So obviously, you know, that would, uh, it's been used as a claim that the Earth can't be 6,000 years old because, look, you've got 32,000 years just of, of deposition there at, um, at Specimen Ridge. And, of course, this is the evidence that, um, uh, that convinced numbers. But again, you know, when we're looking at this, we really need to delve into the, the evidence and the data uh, of what is happening. And um, it's interesting. Uh, scientists have uh, have have done this um, because the other, this area in the Yellowstone National Park is a is a fascinating area. There's a huge amount of lava flowed into uh, this area because these petrified fruit trees are found in the uh, Absaroka volcanics of the Absaroka Range of northern eastern Yellowstone National Park. And this range of mountains is uh, a thick series of volcanic lava flows uh, that then have been broken up into pieces of lava. The, these um, uh, outcrops are huge. The the, these volcanics cover more than 23,000 square kilometres and the thickness of the formation exceeds 1,800 um, 1, metres. Uh, the, the thickness of this formation alone is nearly as high as the highest mountain in Australia. Um, and it would be very difficult for successive healthy forests to grow in such broken volcanic rock, although, you know, it can happen, but it'd be difficult. But when we look at this evidence further, there, and some geologists have, uh, have done that, uh, Michael Ord and uh, Dr. Robert uh, Carter, uh, a, a couple of scientists sort of have looked at uh, this in, in detail, and um, they uh, find that there are major problems from the uniformitarian story that would spread it over uh, thousands of um, years. So one of the problems is that there are no uh, fossilised soils. Our trees almost always grow in thick soil horizons, and yet the soil for the fossil forests in, are missing. Instead, we find a lot of uh, organic layers associated with undecomposed leaves, twigs, needles, etc. that have become um, petrified. Um, the other thing is that there's bark and branches are rare. And the trunks show that branches as large as you know, 25 centimetres or more sometimes have been broken off. But they're not preserved in this volcanic debris, so they're somehow separated. The other uh, fascinating thing is that many of the petrified trees have no roots at all, and some of them have broken roots. And so when we look at this in more detail, they essentially have the same appearance of the stumps that filled Spirit Lake after the explosion of Mount St Helens, where the trees were forcibly removed from the forest floor, ripped out of the ground, transported to the lake by a massive wave, which sheared off the branches and roots, and they were then deposited. So that's something that we have observed, and we observed that occurred very rapidly, 
um, and so and formed these uh, similar sort of layers there. And so here, what we what we have is a classic example that if we just look at the area specimen ridge and we don't look anywhere else, we might think, oh, yeah, okay, these have been deposited over a long period of time. But when we say, hang on, this exact thing occurred at the Mount St Helens eruption and was in a very short period of time, um, there's a better explanation. Also, when we dig into what is the evidence, just stop not looking at trees, we find there are no animal fossils associated with the trees. Uh, there's no mammals, birds, insects or even earthworms. And so fascinating things like this point to um, that, hang on, something else is going. This wasn't a gradual process. Otherwise, we'd find the fossilisation of these other creatures. The other fascinating thing is that the 200 species of trees that have been identified in the petrified specimens there at Specimen Ridge uh, come from tropical to cool, cool climate. Um, there's tropical species including cinnamon, breadfruit um, and uh, chinkapanan trees which presently grow in Southeast Asia um, as well as the pine trees. And so again, the most, um, great, you know, the most credible explanation is the flood model that these trees were put there by a catastrophic global flood, that that deposit wasn't formed over 32,000 years. It was probably formed in, in minutes, if not hours, um, or maybe days, but in a very, very short period of, of time. And so the basis, for example, for uh, Dr Numbers giving up his faith was based on incomplete evidence. And so when we come to this question of how we can know there's a number of areas we need to look at. Um, it's not just the doing the basic re uh, measurements at the time. It's looking at pattern recognition. It's looking at is there a pattern of events that corrobor corroborate this. And we find that, we f as we found, that the similar formation is found after, uh, was formed after the St Helens eruption. And the same thing occurs in the Bible in that we have reports throughout the Bible of a consistent pattern of events that occurred. And so this can give us great confidence that what we are reading is true, that it is really true, that it is reality. And the Bible talks about this amazing reality of God who is outside our physical reality. He's non-material, but he created this physical reality. And that God, the Bible explains, wants a relationship with us that he physically transformed himself into a person, came as lived as Christ, Jesus Christ amongst us, and uh, was resurrected to prove that he really was God. And um, the evidence was seen by the, uh, by the witnesses around. So we had this amazing testimony that the Bible and Christianity is true, is reality. You've been listening to uh, Faith and Science. And remember, if you want to re-listen to uh, these programs, just uh, Google or on your, on your search engine, uh, look for 3ABNAustralia.org.au 
and then uh, click on the radio button and the listen and you'll see the Faith and Science program listed there. And remember to tell your friends about these programs too. I'm Dr John Ashton. Have a great day. been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.